0: Welcome to BoardGamers Anonymous, episode 53. This week, we're taking a look at our 15 most anticipated games of 2015. We'll also shout it from the tabletop and discuss the four games that lived up to expectations in 2014.
1: You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.
0: Welcome to 4Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. And this is Chris. And the rest of the guys aren't here.
1: Whoa. That's, where'd they go?
0: I don't know. This is, this is getting <laughs> old, though. This is,
1: this yeah. Is, come on, guys. Man. I, need, I think we need to put together a posse. I think we have to find these guys. Where are they hiding? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: They keep telling us stuff like oh, family stuff, oh, moving, oh, excuses, whatever. Whatever.
1: But we got you back, and that's yeah, awesome. Right? I'm here. Uh, and they think they have family things. Bam! New kid. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good
0: excuse.
1: I still do. You had a, you had a nine, pounds, nine pounds, three ounces excuse. Oi. Yeah, well, that one's... My wife gets to use that one. I don't know. <laughs> there she goes. So that's the reason why she's not on the podcast this week. Yeah, she's probably sleeping. <laughs> she um, gets away with it for this one. Yeah. Yeah, we did We did get a uh,
0: a nice Christmas surprise. Missed it by about an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, she was born like a, about an hour before Christmas. It was Christmas Eve, baby. But that's where I've been, if you've been wondering where I am. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: Well, we're glad to have you back.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've I've missed it.
1: And now you'll be doing the editing. Yay! Yay.
0: <laughs> well, that's why you're really excited.
1: <laughs> a little bit. Uh, of course, of I've, course. Of I've course. enjoyed doing that, but you know, after listening to ourselves for three or four hours in a row, you start you start to lose connection with reality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I enjoy it too, which is the funny part. Like I like sitting like I miss my Saturday nights, you know, sitting on the couch kind of half watching tv half listening to the podcast (laughs) editing
1: yeah and i really enjoyed you know you go in there you try to find the jokes you try to put the sound effects in you try to cut it so it's just slick and sharp and tight because i listen to a lot of podcasts too and you know especially after you start editing podcasts you can hear every little thing you know where every cut is you know where every you know mark is and you're just like man, I wish I could go back there and just you know clean that up a little bit because I want it to be a little bit better. So every episode we do, we always try to make it better for everybody out there.
0: Chris, you've done an awesome job on out, <laughs> but you may now put down your uh, editor's keyboard. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, pen? No, it's not a pen. Headphones, <laughs> I guess, maybe. So now just to get some games to the table. Yeah. <laughs> And then ironically, this week, we're, we're talking about all the games we're going to want to buy this this year. So that's great. Let's buy more stuff that I don't have time to play. Um, <laughs> no, no, there will be time to play. There I, will I'm be. going we, to make you got to believe, man. Yes, I believe. There's so much <laughs> stuff that I, I want to play that I have to get it out. I got a, my Christmas gift. And we, we did Christmas uh, on Christmas Eve because we knew the baby was coming soon. Um and so I opened it that morning, it was I got Imperial Assault and I was very excited. And then I'm like, I'm gonna open this, we're gonna look at it tonight, and then uh, we had to go to the hospital like four hours later. And <laughs> I think I just opened it last week. It is amazing, by the way, but it's now been sitting on my shelf for three weeks,
1: unplayed and So when you had the game in your hand and you're unwrapping it and you got the coal for the baby, did you even for a I don't know, split second go, uh eh, eh. <laughs> I, well
0: when i thought it was going to be just a normal labor uh yeah. i almost grabbed the books so i'm like i'll read these in the hospital and i was like that's <laughs> that's not a good thing to do i should not do this
1: <laughs> that's that's what makes you a hardcore gamer man you're like your wife's giving birth and you're like go ahead honey i just got to find out what the attack value is here
0: <laughs> you don't know it could be like 24 hours yeah you gotta stay busy <laughs>
1: See, that's that's real dedication. That's the kind of things that people don't know that you're doing each and every day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is what I do for you listeners. <laughs> I forsake my wife and unborn child to read the rules to Imperial Assault. Oh,
1: how many other podcasts can say that? None. That's right. None, <laughs> man. We're out there in the trenches. It's the holidays. We're broadcasting. And I, I did a Kick in the Habit on New Year's Eve. I'm like, I'm doing a Kick in the Habit on New Year's Eve. I'm like, Happy New Year's, everybody. I'm like, this is where I'm at, and I'm okay with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, it's awesome to be back. Uh, obviously, I haven't played a ton of games, so this week we're just, we have kind of a special feature where we're going to look at some of the games that we're excited about coming out in 2015 or s- supposedly coming out in 2015. Uh, I guess we'll always say that because you never know with board games when it's actually going to hit the shelves. Um, True. Plus, who knows what's going to come out that we haven't even heard about yet because constantly there's new stuff being announced and then it comes out three months later. Um, if I would known Imperial Assault was coming out at the beginning of last year, it would have been at the top of my list all year long, but we didn't know until Gen Con. So
1: there will be many surprises, but these are the ones right now on our radar. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a great industry that... And in a dangerous industry that in January they re, you know they give out they give out news about all the new releases for that coming year, and you just look at these and you're like, wow! And you just keep looking at them, and you just eyes get bigger and bigger, and you're like, everything here is amazing. And yet at the same time, you know at you know at Essen and Gen Con and Origins, there's going to be things that are even going to be more explosive and just blow you out of the water.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's you never know what's coming, or like even like. The stuff you don't expect to like blow you away, like a, an anniversary edition of something, or you know, a reprint of a game that's been out of print forever. That you're like, yes. oh my gosh,
1: and you get really excited about it. Yes, it's like El Grande. That's right, Drew. El Grande's coming out this year. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> and when it comes out, I'm making him buy it for me. I'm just telling you right now. When it when it's when they release news, I'm going to his house and go. You gotta buy it for me now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I win. Buy. I win. <laughs> Shouted from the tabletops. <laughs> Sir, you're going to need to get down from there.
0: All right, so the big news this week, and there isn't a ton of it because it is the first week of January and nobody's doing much of anything, uh, just kind of rolling out of bed post-holiday and getting back to work. But the big, big news, especially for us, you know, as a member of the network, is uh, the Dice Tower. They've got their Season 11 Kickstarter up.
1: Yeah, this is a big deal. Now, hopefully you've been listening to the Dice Tower Network and Tom Vassell and Eric Summer and every podcast as part of this network. But for us and probably for you, whether you know it or not, Tom Vassell has done a tremendous gift and benefit for our industry by producing such crazy amount of content that almost it boggles the mind. I think he said 1,200 videos last year alone. You know, as we know, board gaming is a social activity. So as much as we love this, we need other gamers. And to have him him, and everyone who's part of his production to be out there always promoting, always producing, always giving playthrough videos and information. When I go to a game store or the fact that there's even a game store is in great deal due to Tom Vassell and all the great work that he's done. Yeah, definitely. So,
0: if you haven't yet, check out the Kickstarter. It's um it's running I guess pretty much all of January and there's a ton of promos and stuff on there. If you if you back him, um if you do listen to the Dice Tower, you probably heard all the various shout-outs and whatnot throughout the year. So, there's all sorts of different stuff in there. Um but if you listen to podcasts about board games, especially any that are in the network, it's it's worth taking a look at because, you know, this is the guy who gets it done. Uh, so that's Dice Tower, season 11. Um, the other cool thing I saw yesterday or today, maybe, um, and I guess this was announced last month, but they put a date on it, is that Tigers and Euphrates is finally being reprinted. Finally. Um, finally, right? Uh, Fantasy Flight, of all companies, picked it up, and it's going to hit in quarter two, so probably spring sometime. Um This is a game I always wanted to get to the table and just, it's hard to find a copy. And when you do find a copy, people are very protective of their copies because it's so hard to find a good, you know, not destroyed copy of this game. Um, so it's awesome that it's coming out again and then it's even more awesome that it's Fantasy Flight because the component quality is going to be really high. Um, it gets me thinking about all these different games that you hear about and don't get to see and that you'd like to have reprinted. Um... This was one that's been on my list for a while. I know yep. Glory to Rome is one that's on a lot of people's lists. Absolutely. Um there's just games out there and it's surprising that they're just not reprinted and whether you know, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on in the background, like rights to games. Like someone owns the rights, they have to want it to be reprinted. So <laughs> it doesn't just happen. But, you know, when there's demand for something, it's surprising that it doesn't come out sooner. Like San Juan, I was surprised that was out of print for so long.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is probably one of the good things that may come of Asmodee merging with Fantasy Flight to give them a little bit more financial push to actually pick up these older games to bring them out to print.
0: Yeah. And it's not as much of a risk. And I think that's part of it. It's like you go like there's something about the hotness, right? A new game is always going to sell a certain amount of copies because it's new, right? Um, You go reprint an old game and you're relying on nostalgia and people have already played it and you know word of mouth to sell it and printing a game is expensive yes. so there's a ton of risk to it so you know larger companies with better financial backing might might make it easier for them to make that decision which is awesome
1: yeah larger distribution too with Asmodee
0: yeah yeah so here's hoping to see some of those games that we've been wanting <laughs> and that either don't get printed often enough or been out of print for a long time Uh, And then one last thing here, uh, and this is, you know, kind of a local thing, but it's kind of cool, is the 2015 New York Toy Fair is in mid-February. And this is, it's an industry event here in uh, New York City, so it's not like a big open convention. You have to have tickets to get in. It's not, it's mostly just kind of companies showing off their new stuff. But there tend to be some board game companies there, um, people in the hobby at least, And I know Steve Jackson Games is doing something kind of cool during that week. Um, They're going to have, like, a pop-up store in Midtown in Manhattan. It's not going to be at the actual convention. It's going to be outside. So they're bringing, you know, all their stuff. They're going to have Munchkin stuff. It's going to be kind of just this short one-time store um, that kind of coincides with the rest of the fair. I know they have a ton of plans for this year, um, and they've been releasing a lot of, different kinds of Munchkin stuff lately. Some of it gaming, some of it not. You know, I saw the uh, the pop vinyl figure for the Munchkin in Barnes & Noble the other day. It's it's spreading to other things. So sure. it's it makes sense that they're getting in on the toy fairs.
1: Hmm, what is this Munchkin you speak of? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've heard of it somewhere. I'm not sure. But I, I think this just shows more penetration into the larger, broader toying game and public market that board games and board game IPs are becoming just mainstream. We've seen this with popular media and, you know, board games have kind of always been part of the toy fair, but to see this penetration and to see companies investing time and money there is outstanding. So, yeah, I mean, it won't be that long that you could say Tigers and Euphrates and someone goes, the board game? You yeah. know, just that would be excellent. <laughs> no, but if the first thing they think is board game, we're like, nice. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's probably munchkin... much more
0: likely they'll be like, what?
1: Well, eventually, you know, eventually, eventually someday when you say Munchkin, people will think the card game instead of the little donut thing from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I so. don't know.
0: It could be getting there. I mean, Munchkin is that's one where if, you know, along with Catan, if I'm talking about games and you mention it offhandedly, whether they've played it or not, they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen people play that or I've heard of that. Um, it's becoming a bit ubiquitous in a way that not a lot of games are.
1: And that's really all you need these days, which is uh, you're just a good IP.
0: Um, and, Munchkin,
1: yeah. and Munchkin's a great IP, and John Kovalevich's art is outstanding, and I really want to be there and see what they do next.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that's the uh, that's the stuff that's happening right now, not a lot of big news, no mergers this week, thankfully, um, <laughs> we have to run out and cover, but, you know, some interesting stuff, uh, some interesting Kickstarters, I know a lot of, you know, different games will probably uh, be getting announced soon, and other Kickstarters, because I know that it was kind of a, a dearth of uh, new projects on there in the last couple weeks, because of the holidays, so the people probably rushing those out soon, but... Uh this week you can relax and catch up on your uh, Board Gamers Anonymous episodes. Nice. All right. Um so next up we're going to take a look at our acquisition disorder corner feature mega special for our most anticipated games of 2015. And again this is we're going to break it down
1: much further than normal. This is where our wallets cry. Cry for mercy. (laughs) And they cry for the inevitable year-long acquisition disorder.
0: (laughs) Yeah. On the plus side, some of these are kick-started. means we've already paid for them. So, you know, a little bit of relief there, at least.
1: And now, our acquisition disorder. Why wouldn't you have the upgraded components? So the base game, the expansion, the promos, and the upgraded components. See, that's not too much. But maybe I don't know. Maybe it might. Be
0: too much. All right. So the most anticipated games of 2015. What we've done is we picked 15 games. Uh, we split it pretty much down the line of that we know that are probably coming out in 2015. Whether a date's been given or we just based on past information, it's likely that it's going to ship soon. Um, These are games that are on the radar that we will hopefully see in the next nine to 12 months. um, And that we really, 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 really want. Really,
1: really, really want (laughs) really, really, really. (laughs) Did we mention that we want these? I don't know if we, if that came across
0: (laughs) only slightly number 15 at the top of my list. And this is a game that I kick-started back in the spring, um, and it should be coming out any time now, is Baseball Highlights 2045. Uh, this is a card game from Mike Fitzgerald, and he uh, he's the guy behind Diamonds. So he had a good 2014. He was hoping for another winning game in 2015. Um, and it's it's kind of a goofy-looking game, but the mechanics look really solid. It's baseball in the year 2045, so it's robots and various superhumans facing off in a game of baseball. Uh, and there aren't a lot of baseball board games in general, um, whether they are too boring for people or what. I don't know. It's, it's It feels like a perfect sport for a board game, but there hasn't been anything really solid. But this one looks like it could be a really interesting take
1: on the sport. See, so that's surprising, too, because it clearly seems these days most baseball player statistics is based upon some sort of magic right some sort of extra i don't know elixir that they happen to take (laughs) that causes some special abilities to take place and activate in some sort of way that is not normally human so why not a board game about that that seems completely reasonable (laughs) and now they're robots yeah,
0: well, this is taking it to the next logical step.
1: At least they're honest about it. That's all we ask for. Just be honest about it. I I think I think for some reason, and maybe it's because, you know, sports is such a big thing on its own that you know board game publishers and designers just don't tackle these types of topics. I mean, I was saying to someone earlier that there there's pretty much a board game that covers. A, Every type of theme you could possibly imagine somewhere in the world of some random thing of some random date. And yet, you know, sporting games are kind of left on the side. And, you know, baseball especially is, is a very much a two-player game, the pitcher versus the batter. So why not have a game that kind of elicits that real dynamic gameplay?
0: Yeah, and I mean, part of it might just be, you know, the American board game industry has really just been taking off the last decade or so. And people in Europe do not care about baseball. True. <laughs> so it's, it's taken this long to, to get a good designer interested in, enough in the theme to make a game about it. Here's hoping for more. <laughs> Doing my two favorite things together.
1: Number 14. So one game that I know that's absolutely coming out in 2015 is because it's kind of already been out in 2014 a little bit, and that's Deus. So if you've heard about Deus, you probably heard about the reviews that were coming out of Essen. There was some copies available. It's not widely available. It's not available in the U.S. And I don't even believe that it's available in English versions yet. But Deus is kind of the new Euro hotness. If you've taken an opportunity to look look after this game, you've seen all the interesting dynamics that go into it. It has a kind of little interesting... Catan map to it with these individual parts that kind of lock together and then you're picking cards that's going to give you special abilities so it has a little bit of you know glory to Rome as far as how you're building up your civilization and then it has a little bit of Catan slash Terra Mystica as far as the areas that you're taking over it's colorful it's a little bit on the lighter medium side of a Euro game and it's just something that I can't believe it's not out here yet. Why is this game not out here yet? But uh it looks to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to playing this.
0: Number 13. All right. So the next game on my list, uh, I actually had a different game on my list, and then it actually showed up in the mail like three days ago. That was <laughs> Aquasphere. And ah! then... I have this game on my list, and apparently it's been shipping to backers in the last couple days. But whatever, I'm going to leave it here because I don't have another one. Uh, and that's Brewcrafters. This is the uh, Dice Hate Me game that I guess the Kickstarter was about a year ago. Um, so it's it ran a few months late in terms of delivery. <laughs> but it's the Euro game about making beer, which to me sounds awesome. Um, I already have the Euro game about making wine. In viticulture <laughs> So now I need Brewcrafters For the Perfect drinking night <laughs> Board
1: game Uh Uh Duo Um I didn't want to say anything But I think your Cardboard addiction Now has an alcohol problem too. <laughs> It's not my fault They're making the games I'm just buying them <laughs> Um
0: So this is a game I don't have A backed copy Coming to me Uh Necessarily But as soon as it hits The store shelves I'll probably pick it up Give it a go Um So it's still in my future, since I don't have one coming now, probably the next couple months when it hits the uh, online stores, I'll pick this one up. But it is one that I thought looked really cool right away. I know that Viva Java was a great game, and this is kind of, it's not the same game, but it's the same company and the same kind of idea, taking this just general theme about the creation of a certain beverage that many people enjoy and uh, building a game out of it. So it's definitely one I want to get to the table.
1: Um, hopefully sometime in the next few months. Number 12. A game that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Pocket Odyssey. Now, I tend not to be a fan of these immense micro games that are just kind of flooding the market everywhere, but Pocket Odyssey might be a little bit different here because it's a micro dungeon crawling game. Now, this is important because I love playing RPGs, but the problem is... It's always hard to get through a campaign with the same group of people. And to have that shrunk down might actually work here. Because, you know, let's be honest. A Euro game is supposed to be long. It's supposed to be heavy. And as much as an RPG is supposed to be epic, you want to be able to get into the roles as quickly as possible. So the object of this game is that you're going to go on a little small adventure. So you're going to have the opportunity to kind of get together a little group, and you'll get cards. So instead of putting together these kind of large character sheets, which are fun, but you want to play a game, you'll get you know several of these different character classes. So you can be an orc slayer, a swindler king, and then you'll get powers, so like a fireball or a backstab. And then you'll get flaws, which is nice. I like to have a certain weakness to the character. And then on top of that, you'll get a personal goal card, which will be part of the secret, for your final scoring. So it offers a lot of different gameplay depending on how these kind of cards are mixed up. And then you play the game out like a typical RPG, but it has a main quest, it has boards, it has tokens, it has your little meeples to play along with. And it's just a game that's just long enough that you get a feel for playing an RPG with those dynamic and dramatic elements to it without the long kind of involved gameplay that sometimes crushes an RPG from the beginning.
0: Yeah, this is one of those games that falls in that category of like, if they pull everything that they're describing off, it's going to be really cool.
1: Yeah, it looks really nice. And it would just, it would be honestly nice to kind of invite people into that really gateway type of RPG. And if they're into it and it plays well, then you can kind of bring them into the big full you know, RPG type of experience. But at least at this point, there hasn't been a good, you know, I wouldn't say like micro because I know that's how they're marketing here, but there hasn't been a good small entry level kind of investment where you could just sit down and play it. I think Mice and Mystics comes probably closest to that, but this is even a small realm which might bring you into Mice and Mystics
0: yeah yeah i think this might be even better than that just because it's mice and mystics is great as like an introductory but it is still a big production like it can be overwhelming to somebody and throw that on the table it's like it's a lot of stuff um but yeah this this looks could like it could really fill that niche which would be kind of cool plus once you start mice and mystics you never really want to stop you're like i want to know the rest of the story i know that's <laughs> <laughs> a whole different rabbit hole number 11 So the next one for me, and uh, this is a game that we don't know really much of anything about other than the fact that it exists. So whether it comes out in 2015 or not, I'm going to guess yes. It seems like it's by all indications it should. Um, But that's Magic the Gathering, the strategy board game. Ah. And so this is the re-implementation of Heroescape with Magic the Gathering figures. Um, And that's about as much as we know right now. But that's really as much as we need to know. <laughs> um if you ever played Magic and not wanted to keep having to buy cards every 3 months, uh this might be the game for you. So, and HeroScape was an amazing game that's just been out of print forever and costs a fortune if you want to get your hands on it. So this is like the perfect opportunity like bringing the two together. It could be really cool. I'm withholding judgment because there's a chance that they'll turn it into some kind of collectible buy stuff every three months kit type of thing. But if it's, you know, if you can buy a starter kit and just sit and have fun with your friends and has those hero elements, this could be a really awesome game.
1: Yeah. I'm still, you know, I'm still holding back judgment on this. I do think that this is going to be one of those games that's going to make a big splash and then just fall off the face of the earth. It, you know, it, it's trying to cross so many different markets, the miniatures, board games, and Magic is, is obviously its own little universe. I don't know if this is going to make the impact that they think it is, but I'm really looking forward to seeing this. One way or the other, it should be something that we haven't seen before in gaming.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to depend on how many people who play board games now used to play Magic. Um Like, in my experience, it's about half of the people I run into uh, at board game stores used to play Magic in some form. That's, I mean, if that's true across the industry, it could be a pretty big game. If it's a smaller number, it might be a little tougher, because current Magic players don't play a lot of board games. It's hard to pull them away from those tables. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what happens, because if it's a really good game, it might not matter,
1: you know. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, you know, when we talked about Lords of Waterdeep, it made a big impact, but I, honestly, I think if someone would take a look at the numbers, I think it made a big impact with board gamers, like you said, people who previously played Magic, instead of bringing Magic players over to board game. Number 10. Speaking about games that are all smashed up together, one of the games that I'm looking forward to is Munchkin Smash Up. Now, we talked about it earlier during the news segment that Munchkin, the IP, is going everywhere, and it's actually pretty good for our industry. Now, Smash Up is also making that same type of impact with their Big Geeky Box, this promise that they're going to have all these different expansions. And there really isn't a lot of difference between Smash Up and Munchkin. It's all about playing these cards almost somewhat randomly and trying to take out you know, these areas or these monsters in order to get the most points. So taking Smash Up and making factions for a Smash Up set that's based upon the Munchkin universe is actually brilliant because Munchkin has so much content. I mean, take any geeky genre and there's a Munchkin version of it. And Smash Up has been doing a great job kind of catching up in their own ways. So to bring Munchkin on board should be outstanding. And John Kovalec, he just nails the artwork there. You know, playing RPGs is a really odd and fun and weird and wacky type of experience, so his artwork about that type of experience and all the different universes and all the puns and all the fun and all the jokes that go along with it would actually work really well in Smash Ups, so I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, this will be a
0: really fun one, you know, and I like Smash Up, and not every one of their releases really gets me excited. Some of them are like, this is going to be awesome, and other ones just feels like they're trying to have something out for that period yeah. of time. <laughs> um, but the Munchkin one is going to be really cool. I'm just, I'm excited to see what the different decks are.
1: Yeah, I mean, they can really do a lot of things with this. I mean, they have, wow, they have everything. They have cowboys, and they have sci-fi, and, and they have... Axe Cop. I don't know why, but they have Axe Cop and they have Conan and they have, you know, Legends. They, they have like literally everything. They have Goth, they have monsters, they have Cthulhu and it's it's almost an endless monster of itself and I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going <laughs> to I don't know where it's going to start and I don't know where it's going to end, but I know I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to enjoy it because, you know, just sometimes you want a game with some humor and some jokes and some fun to it and Smash up is a pretty decent mechanic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Plus, you have to fill that giant box.
1: I have to fill that giant box. The the blackness of it just mocks me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You've you've adopted a new demon. I'm telling you, that that's that's one scary box. If if you if you have not picked up the big geeky box for Smash up, you may want to stay away from it because you, as a completionist and as an acquisition disorder, you open this box and you drop all your expansions in and you see that that's only taken up, I don't know, a fifth of the box, maybe? I don't, I, I haven't even done the calculations because I don't want to look at it again and you're like, it's going to take, I don't know, five years or 40,000 expansions to fill this, but uh, it's a good quality box and I would love to add Munchkin to that. Number nine.
0: All right. So the next one on my list is Specter Ops, Shadow of Babel. This is the uh, new game from uh, Plaid Hat Games. And it actually just went up for pre-order on their website like this last week. So if you're listening to this probably anytime in January, um, I think you can pre-order it now and get a decent discount plus some promos, which is something pretty cool that Plaid Hat does. All right, so it's basically a game where you're trying to infiltrate this facility, uh, trying to, you know, retrieve different targets and get out alive, basically. So there's going to be something you have to get done. Um, it's a very... It's, it looks like a darker sci-fi setting, but the whole idea of the stealth action uh, in, a, in a board game, and it looks like they really pulled it off, um, it should be very interesting because... The game itself is designed to be played quickly. It's not this giant oversized game with 600 miniatures. I think it comes with maybe five, eight miniatures in the box. Um, So there are miniatures, but it's not like this massive, you know, sprawling game that we've been seeing lately for this type of play. Um, So it's tight. It looks like it's a tight, quick, uh, self-contained game. And the theme really catches me. It looks interesting.
1: Number eight. A game that I'm really looking forward to, and we talked about this previously, was Philip DeBerry's Skyway Robbery. This was a Kickstarter game that just just barely made it over the threshold, and it's a unique kind of steampunk, you know, um, thieves with the heart of good kind of thing, and it's beautiful artwork, it's beautiful design, and it's supposed to be coming out this year, Now, there was some questions about this because this was a Game Salute release, and I think they're going to come through this time. I think, you know, when Philip DeBerry knows games, he knows designs, and being that the artwork was already done and it wasn't just some kind of bare-bones production demo, I think that this game is going to surprise people because it seemed to have a lot of good mechanics in it that were very different than we had seen before, and yet at the same time, when reviewers had gotten copies of this, I don't know why we didn't get copies, Phil. Uh, uh, uh. But uh, when reviewers got copies of this, they mentioned that there were some tweaks that needed to be made, and Philip DeBerry was actually listening to these things and going ahead and going to make the corrections on this. So it was nice to see that you had somebody on Kickstarter who was listening to fans and reviewers' thoughts and responses and was kind of tweaking his game to make it even better. So I'm really looking forward to this game coming out.
0: Yeah, this is one that looked really good and I'm really glad it got uh funded because the artwork alone is just it's it looks incredible, so it's it would have been a shame not to see this game in its final form.
1: Yeah, and this is another game that for me could just be its own IP. I mean, as you were saying, Anthony, the artwork is outstanding. It had a number of different artists to it, and I remember looking through each of the different artists and they had their own websites, and you should go into Kickstarter just to see these artists and follow their work. I would love to see different versions and like almost like a Tempest universe of this would be great.
0: Number seven. Alrighty. righty. So the next game on my list is not an actual game per se. Uh, it's an expansion for, well, it's multiple expansions for a game I already have. Um, but already I know that I need them. And <laughs> and these are just the ones that have been announced, and there will be more by the end of the year, and I will need those as well. And that is pretty much anything that comes out for Imperial Assault in the next twelve months is it's on my <laughs> high highly uh, anticipated list. Um, I think that first wave of stuff is supposed to come out in the next week or two. Sure. So probably I'll have that by the end of the month, but there will almost certainly be more. Um, it's only January. I don't, ha- I don't know how often Fantasy Flight releases stuff, but usually we see a wave of X-Wing stuff every 9 to 12 months. So <laughs> probably we'll see more of these by the end of the year, probably around Gen Con. So um, Star Wars, miniatures, painting,
1: I'm happy. That's high on my list. Yeah, I think the real question with this, especially with the movie coming out, is how much are they not going to do? I think they're going to do everything.
0: I know, right? Like, feel like they're going to just kind of run out of as much stuff as they can. Um, it will be interesting to see what they do now, though, because with X-Wing, they were getting into some of the uh, expanded universe stuff. Disney's basically shut all that down now. Um, I don't know if that affects what Fantasy Flight can print or how that's what the license entails, if they have to stay within the movies now or what they're going to do. I mean, with x-wing they've stuck with original trilogy era stuff even with expanded universe they haven't gone to prequel stuff at all which is good um yeah. <laughs> so, so it was ma- a safe move there that yeah. never existed <laughs> so i'd imagine imperial assault will be the same um with but,
1: that one exception that you talked about a couple of weeks ago that that new ship that they released
0: yeah that was interesting because i mean that's it is you know imperial era it's not and that's the uh, the new ship they're releasing at the epic scale that does not exist in any form of Star Wars fiction. They made a new one. At least not w- yet. Yeah, exactly. So everything's kind of fluid right now. I guess we don't really know what they're going to do. Um, they don't really announce these things in advance too much, but it will be interesting to see because the new Star Wars toys are going to be probably... I would imagine we would see them in the next couple months with the Toy fairs coming up um, and they'll probably start releasing them in the summer, so I would find it hard to believe that Fantasy Flight wouldn't have something in the works that would match up with the new movie, whether it's next year or this year, whatever, um, whether it ties into one of their existing game sets or not, especially with Armada coming out in the spring, too, um, it's gonna be a lot of Star Wars this year, so I'm I'm excited for all of it, but, especially Imperial Assault, whatever they,
1: whatever they put out and buying it. You know what I really would like to see? Some sort of, I don't know how they would do it, but some sort of crossover rules or packet where you could play the X-Wing miniatures or the Armada and then decide to go down to the planet and then play Imperial Assault. Yeah, that'd be cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know people are already putting that kind of stuff together, though. If you go to the forums, there's like, you know, quasi-rules and... Crossover rules. People trying to figure out how to make it work, because uh, Imperial Assault has the two-player variant, the skirmish mode, yeah. where you build forty-point armies. Wow! Uh, and yeah. I mean, they're armies. They're not really armies. They're you know end up being like six units. But you build you build out your you know your spec there, and you you play them, and it's two one-on-one. There's probably going to be tournaments for it. There's no reason at all you couldn't like have crossover from there to X-wing, and even up to Armada. Uh, it's Yeah, it's very exciting
1: I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> yeah, like You start out with Armada You have these giant kind of capital ships And just huge Armadas Kind of coming down And then you play the X-Wing Miniatures game And you have the little snub fighters And then they land And you go into the Imperial Assault And you have Dark Vader coming out And it's just outstanding
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh It's so cool <laughs> it, would, it, it
1: actually could kind of operate like uh, Dungeons and Dragon attack Wing. Where you would have the ground units, so you know you have, a, you have an X-wing flying by, and Dark Vader grabs it out of the sky and smashes it into the ground with the Force.
0: If like a crossover say. kit, they're missing out. I'm
1: telling you, it's another million-dollar idea.
0: Because these these are both lifestyle games now, because people are going to keep buying these expansions for Imperial Assault because of the skirmish mode. Oh, uh, man. Wait, one more.
1: Star Wars the card game has to come into play With that too
0: <laughs> Okay okay
1: <laughs> Give me a minute It's gonna happen
0: <laughs> Oh man I don't I'm not planning on buying Armada but it's the only one of theirs I don't Have yet so it's it's questionable Whether I follow through on not buying That we shall see
1: <laughs> Be strong man be strong be strong.
0: I'm not gonna play it if I buy it so I Really shouldn't buy it
1: <laughs> Keep telling yourself that but that's yeah. gonna help <laughs> Oh, uh, I got a few months. <laughs> once, you, once the movie comes out, you'll be like, I need to buy all these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Times two. Number six. So, one of the games that I'm looking forward to coming out this year is another Kickstarter that recently funded, and that's Lanterns to Harvest Festival by Foxtrot Games. Now, doing Kick in the Habit, I'm reviewing a lot of Kickstarters, and honestly, they're more often bad than they are good. But once in a while, just once in a while, a game kind of captures my attention in which, you know, within five or ten minutes of looking through the game and starting to do research, I start getting the feeling like I need to back this game. And Lanterns was one of the games that I did back this year. And why I backed it was because it was another game that is very simplistic in the gameplay as far as what you're doing. It's not very complicated. You're laying down these lake tiles that have these outstanding artwork of lanterns on the water and then you're scoring different points and you're scoring de- um, dedication tokens. Once again, very simple, very easy, but not in a you know limiting intellectual way but in a simple, slick presentation, fun type of way that is a gateway game that you want to play as a gamer. So this was a game that I backed. This is a game I can't wait to get out, and it was something I didn't want to wait to get at the store because it looks to be something that you know might be one of the top games for 2015. I'm just taking a shot out there, but I think this is going to be a great entry-level family game.
0: It certainly looks like it. Yeah, when you uh talked about it earlier this year, it was, you know, it caught my eye too, and I, you know, I didn't end up going in for it, but uh I definitely am excited to give it a shot when it's out.
1: Yeah, and they made all their scratch goals, so this this is going to be high quality paper and tokens and everything, so I was glad to back it and I'm uh, looking forward to reviewing this as soon as it comes out. Number
0: 5. All right. So, for me, uh my next one is also a Kickstarter game that I unfortunately did not back because <laughs> I missed it um I did not listen to kicking the habit that week apparently uh, um I don't know if you I don't know if you covered this or not but if you did I missed it and that that is called hostage negotiator okay. um this is a one player solo game and it's you play the uh hostage negotiator and you're having a conversation with the hostage taker um there's cards and dice involved And you're basically trying to decrease threat and get the hostages free. And mechanically, it looks very interesting as a solitaire game. Um, I do play Friday a lot, and there really are not that many dedicated, uh, you know, originally designed solo games out there. Most games have solo variants tacked on uh, in some way, and they're still fun. But they're not truly challenging the way, you know, a game like Friday is because it's designed for one. Um, And this one looks like it could be right up there with that. And I'm excited to give it a shot. Um, I've played Friday probably 30 or 40 times at this point. So it'd be fun to
1: have another one on the shelf. Number four. And another game for 2015 that I backed on Kickstarter that I know will come out this year because it got a lot of buzz at Essence was Viceroy, Fantasy Pyramid Card-slash-Board Game. Now, this is a card-slash-board game because what you're doing is you're purchasing cards in order to build a tableau, a pyramid tableau. And the cards itself, once again, beautiful artwork, beautiful design, everything that you really want in a game. But the way the cards line up here in that pyramid format actually forms these gems that allow you to score points and activate special abilities. So once again, a slick and simple and thematic and smart gameplay and beautiful artwork components and design all in one package. And it's something that we don't see very often. And this game has a seven wonders slash suburbia type of look to it because it is, has the opportunity to build this little bit of, you know, power civilization. And yet, based upon the placement, the cards will activate differently each and every time. Now, this game seems so outstanding. I actually backed the playmat and the gems with it, too. So I'm really looking forward to getting everything with this and playing this because I'm really looking for a game that, you know, can bring a lot of people in but keep my attention. And this game just might do that. Number three. The
0: next game on my list is it's not a game I'm necessarily excited to play, you know, more than any other game. It's more of a game I'm excited to see. Um I wanna see how it works, I wanna see how the mechanics work, and if it's a really if it's gonna be something that we're gonna keep seeing in other games or if it's a fad. Um and I'm leaning towards the latter, but I kind of, I'm hoping for the former because a lot of really cool things could happen if it works out, and that is XCOM, the board game. Okay. Um, I love the XCOM video game, so I'm excited for the game itself on that front. Um, I think it's a fun IP. I think it could be a cool way of uh, integrating, you know, and get another video game into board games successfully. But mostly I'm excited to see how they've made this app work. Um, There's another game coming out, Alchemists, that uses an app as well. So I could have put that one here too. But XCOM took the edge because, again, I like the video games. And, uh, you know, I'm excited on two fronts there at least. Um, It's not necessarily a game that I would run out and buy on my own Uh, normally. I'd probably want to get a play or two of it in first. But because of this app feature, because of the theme, because of the IP... Um, it is one that I'm very excited to see and play this year, if nothing else, because I want to see how it works. And then, you know, what the next step's going to be. Is this something we're going to keep seeing in games moving forward? Um, are people going to like it? Are there going to be backlash from it? Is it going to be frustrating? Um, it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, this is a game that there's so much buzz about this game that it, it really has to live up to such a high expectation. I don't know if it can possibly do that.
0: Yeah, it seems unlikely, but yeah. um, it is a game I want to play. And if it's bad, I won't be upset. I would, you know, it depends on why it's bad. If it's bad because of the app implementation, um, that would be upsetting because it just means we have a new gimmick. If it's sure. bad because it's a bad game, then what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> it sure. happens sometimes.
1: But once again, this is another good sign for our industry that quality IPs are coming out to board games And it seems like they're making a solid effort to produce something and not just doing another monopoly of it or something. Exactly. And that's what's cool about this is
0: that it's not just, you know, somebody tacking something on. It's, you know, yet again, the IP is, it's almost like when these companies get the IPs, they want to make sure the game is amazing because they spent all that money getting the IP. Like, why not make a great game for it? I love that mentality. It's awesome.
1: And what do you think about the technology
0: with this game? See, That's the part that's going to be interesting to see. You know, it's um, how well it works, if it's uh, player dependent at all, if there's going to be any issues, or if it really does randomize the game in a way, make it unique every time you play, like they say, um, that alone could make it, you know, just a winning game right there, because... If if the replayability is high because of it and it doesn't get in the way of the game, sure, I'm all for it. If it gets in the way, if it's required to the point that if you don't have an iPad, you can't do this, that's that's a little rough because not everybody has one. Um, but we'll see. It, it should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I love technology. I'm happy to have technology in games. It really does so many different interesting things. But, you know, the other day I was going through my game collection and I found a game that I got as a child, which was an NFL football game that had a VHS cassette. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, this is interesting, I'd like to play this, but I don't know if I could find a VCR anymore, (laughs) (laughs) or at least one that would be in an area where you can play a game. And I'm wondering, you know, with, with board games, these are things that, hopefully you can pass down for generations because there's no reason why, let's say, for example, Caverna couldn't be played for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, there there is something that's ageless about it. So it does concern me a little bit that maybe in the future there may not be an opportunity to download this app and be able to play with the game, or you might actually have to just throw your iPhone in with the board game at some point and just be like, all right. (laughs) Number two. So my final game for 2015 is a game that I'm really interested in learning more about. There isn't much information released about it, it's a Philip DeBerry game, once again, and really do love his games and the, the intensity that goes into the design the mechanics. And it's Ape Games. This game is called Spirits of the Rice Paddy. Now, I talked a little bit earlier about how there's literally a game for everything. And here we do have a game about growing rice. So, who knew? <laughs> so, in this game, you're a rice farmer and you're tending to your rice patties And you have oxen that are helping you build walls and you're trying to wall in these certain areas and you're employing ducks. This game allows you to put ducks into action. (laughs) And these ducks eat harmful pests and they fertilize the crops and you have to take care of weeds and you have to water properly. And, you know, the spirits in this case are here to assist you. And there isn't too much information about how they go about that here. I'm hoping that it's... A good chunk of the game i like when there is some you know fantasy spirituality magic involved in a normal everyday kind of activity type of game so it's a game about producing the most rice over several rounds but this could be something that's a sleeper hit because the artwork looks great it's got an outstanding designer behind it and you know Who thought Agricola would be something that people would like to play? So why not rice farming?
0: Yeah, at this point, I don't hold any theme against any game because some of the games (laughs) I've had the most fun with were like the driest sounding themes, you know. It's uh, at a certain point, you know, I'm willing to try anything as long as it's not offensive in some way to me. Um, Philip Deberry's going to have a big year though, man. He's got, what,
1: three, four games coming out? Yeah, He's the man I'm telling you, he has done such great work and he's just one of these rare designers that kind of does his, does his, does a great job and you really don't know him. But once you kind of figure out or find out all the great games that he's done and all the mechanics that he's done, you're like, I love this guy all along. Who knew? Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's, he's hiding in the background. Yeah. I yeah, have I mean, another game
0: coming from him. I think I should get it by the end of this month. Um, fidelitas was another kickstarter he he put up uh but yeah that's just game after game he's gonna have three or four good ones out this year
1: he could be the next like stefan feld for more of the euro slash ameritrash type of population i i can't see him just not blowing up in 2015 and number
0: one right so the last one on my list is a game that i'm hoping comes out in 2015 um there's no hard date yet. It's been kind of, you know, hush-hush information on this one, for good reason. Are you um, sure it's not El Grande? Because I think it's, it's El Grande. <laughs> it could be El Grande. I heard once yes! El Grande might be
1: coming out. <laughs> someone, uh, someone keeps saying that it's El Grande, so I'm going to go along with that. I, it might be. It
0: might be you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, This one, though, is an interesting game because it's one of two legacy games that are scheduled to come out in 2015. Um, neither of which we know very much about, Uh, and it's Seafall, the other legacy game being Pandemic Legacy. And I don't know anything about when that one's coming out, but I know it's been announced, and it is on the uh, docket for this year. Um, Hopefully, people waiting for that one will see it soon. But Seafall was announced a little bit earlier than uh, Pandemic Legacy, and it is a 4X legacy game. So it's, it's about the age of sailing, and basically um, you're going out and you are trying to discover new lands and explore islands and build trade routes and send out raiding parties and fight other ships. Um, that's the theme of this, but then it builds up like Risk Legacy does with these different events that kind of shape the game as you go forward. Um, that's about as much as we know. Uh, The designer hasn't given a ton of information out and this is this one of the designers from risk legacy is designing this so it is the legacy guy himself and uh, that's Rob Davio and That's mr. Legacy to you sir mr. Legacy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The game should be out this year, so I'm excited. Uh, I did not play risk legacy I've not gone through all those that but the whole idea has always sounded really cool to me so it is something I want to try. It's coming from Plaid Hat too, which you know is another mark of quality right there. So I am very excited for Seafall. If it hits in 2015, it is definitely what I'm gonna pick up.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I played Risk Legacy, as we slyly mentioned earlier, and the idea about crafting a game that has these battle wounds on it, and you know it has changed and taken shape to be uniquely yours is really interesting. You know, the problem is at first when you think about it, like, I'm going to mark up my games, so I'm going to rip up cards, I'm going to put on stickers, I'm going to write all over the board. It's heresy, you know. We sleeve our cards, we put Plano boxes in to protect wooden cubes, and it's put on a special shelf, locked behind a cabinet, and then to think that you're going to rip apart a game is just insane. And yet at the same time, if you think about how many times you play a game, and you think about the stories that you're able to develop by playing these games... The idea to have you know Seafoal or Pandemic Legacy is really an opportunity to create you know almost a role playing story with your friends, and you know I'm really looking forward to these games coming out because I think that they're going to be the next big thing in board gaming.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it's it's good that it's the same guy doing it because you know you want the first two, three, four games coming out with this mechanic to be done right so that people can see what what works and then they'll know what doesn't work. Because I'm sure it's inevitable that something will come out that doesn't quite pull this off, right? Um, the, the amount of time that's in development on this game and the other games like it show that there must so much work must go into this to make it work. And if you're actually changing the mechanics and the look and feel of the game every time you play it, I can't even imagine what he has to do <laughs> to make this work in playtesting. But... Um, Very excited to see how it plays out. All right. So that is our uh, 15 most anticipated games of 2015. And again, these are just from the list of games that we know are coming out. Um, Dozens and dozens more that we don't know anything about that you will hear all about on our weekly Acquisition Disorder Corner uh, as we learn more about them.
1: It just keeps growing and growing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My shelves are full. So if
1: I buy more, I have to start getting rid of stuff. And that's... That's a hard place to be. Look, I had this conversations with as an open letter to publishers that, you know, I understand you guys want shelf space, but you gotta make your boxes smaller. You gotta fit the content in the box because we wanna buy more games, but I don't wanna keep buying shelves. Eventually you just run out of space. I know. Not <laughs> desire. It's space that you run out of.
0: But next up we're gonna take a look at our final round and we're going to choose some of the games that did live up to the hype in 2014. Uh, We'll end this thing on a positive note. uh, And some of the games that we were excited about at the beginning of last year, and rightfully so.
1: And now, our final round.
0: So, for me, in 2014, um, it wasn't, like, a mind-blowing year. There weren't games that I'm going to be you know that were like the best games I've ever played, but there were a few games that I was excited about at the end of the year uh, or at the beginning of the year, and definitely panned out. You know, um, games that I had hoped would be good and that everybody kept telling me would be good, <laughs> but uh, until you actually play them, you don't really know. Um, and the first of those, and this partially a big part of this is you know the solo plays I've gotten out of it, but the first of this is Imperial Settlers. Um, uh, this is a game that everybody had been talking about, this, uh, reimplementation of the 51st State, um, by Ignacy Trevicek, and it just, it really works for me. Um, I know there are a few things that are kind of missing in the base game, there's some, uh, expansions coming out, the first one is, it's out in Europe, it'll be out here soon, um, and it, you know, he'll build it up and there'll be some more civilizations and hopefully a little bit more... Um, variability in the game moving forward. But for me, even just the base game really works. The mechanics really work. Um, It's just a very tactile game, and I have a lot of fun with it. And I've played it probably more than anything else this year. Um, You know, at least in the big box variant of board games, I've played it a lot.
1: Yeah, I really like this game too. It just missed my list because I really felt it needs an expansion. It was really hard to get some of those really wondrous cards for each faction out onto the tableau. But otherwise, it really does pretty much everything right. A game that I was really concerned about when I first picked it up was Rivet Wars. Now, I had played some miniature games and some of them were hit and miss. They were a big investment of time and money. And the population that I was working with, you know, weren't the most hardcore gamers and really couldn't invest that type of time into a game. So I was looking for a miniatures game that was accessible enough for family and friends, people who weren't hardcore gamers, more like entry-level kind of gateway gamers, but at the same time had the quality components and gameplay that would make it interesting for me to sit down and play. So when I picked up Rivet Wars, I was a little concerned about that because it was a pretty expensive game and the expansions are pretty expensive, and the Kickstarter had so many different pieces to it. I was wondering that... If I picked up the base set, would it be enough to actually be a good game? Now, thankfully, it actually is a great game. It's a nice, sweet, small game. It's a two-player game. It's got these chibi World War One miniatures. Now, the Kickstarter clearly has pretty much everything, and now everything is being released at online stores. So if you want to pick up the extras, that's great. But just the base game alone gives you more than enough stuff to play with two players, enjoy a really tight gameplay, and it's pretty much fun for everybody. So Rivet Wars lived up to the hype, and I was glad I picked it up.
0: All right, so the second game for me that uh, lived up to the hype, at least in terms of gameplay, um, not necessarily in terms of logistics and getting the game out to people to play, is uh, Marvel Dice Masters. This was a. Uh, people were talking about it. The hype was obviously huge because the game sold out for months and nobody could find it. Um, it was so much above and beyond what WizKids expected that the first set, the uh, Avengers vs. X Men, really never got in stock. Um, I did eventually get my own starter set for that and a few expansion packs for it, but it was very hard to do and most people didn't get theirs. So you know, it was hard to get people to the table for this one. Um, but when I did, when I have played it, I've enjoyed it immensely. the The game really finds a way to implement the uh, Courier's, you know dice building mechanic um, in a fun, competitive, quick way that allows you to kind of build out your own uh, custom team. But at the same time, you know it's not five dollar packs of magic cards, it's one dollar packs of uh just dice and cards which is fun because it's scalable depending on your budget and the starter sets make it so you can just play and have fun so that is one that I was happy that lived up to it I'm a little sad that it's you know still hard to find people to play I'm hoping that with all the different sets they have coming out in 2015 um people get back interested in it and they didn't completely shoot themselves in the foot last year but uh it's a good game I I was excited that it panned out the way it was supposed to.
1: Yeah, this is a really hard one too. It's I guess if you can cut through the fact that it was a game that was so successful that it kind of failed. I don't know if that's a really a thing, but the dice were decent, the card and the artwork were decent, the price point was perfect. You know, there's some some theming in here where the dice did have kind of like a special ability like the different Marvel characters. So, this game did so many things right. it's it's it breaks your heart to see that, um, because of the great interest in the game, that it just didn't have the wide distribution it really needed to kind of take off and kind of kind of fell off the radar. But if you're able to find people to play this with, you should definitely try this out. It's simple enough to play, and it's complex enough that you can actually build a meta, which is always fun to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to get it out again. Uh, you know, even like with the Dungeons and Dragons variant um, that's coming out soon. That's you know, that alone will be fun to try.
1: Another great game that had great word of mouth was Starwelms. This was a two-player game in which you were doing a light deck-building game, purchasing cards from a center row, kind of along the lines of Ascension, building a deck, but not just to score points, but you were actually attacking your opponent in this game. Now, people love this game. It was getting out wide appeal. And because it was being picked up because of such a low price point that it wasn't reaching everybody, kind of like Marvel Dice Masters. Now, this game has kind of been hit and miss in certain areas as far as the availability. But what they did was they put out a free app that was outstanding and got to show the gameplay off and the game did live up to the hype, and they're having expansions for it, and they're having tournaments for it, and the gameplay is tight, it's sharp, it's smart, the artwork is really interesting and unique, and to be able to play a deck builder that has a different mechanic other than just purchasing cards and building a certain deck, was an innovative idea at such a nice price point that I think that we haven't heard the end of Star Realms I think it's just only going to get bigger from here on in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a game that you just keep hearing things about. Uh, these guys really nailed it with this quick, easy two-player deck building game. Um, it's still one I haven't been able to pick up myself either, but it's it's one I'm excited to try. And um, probably just need to download the app and give it a go.
1: Yeah, I played the app, pff, I, w- <laughs> I would say, probably 30 or 40 times at this point. It plays so quick and easy. It makes sense, and it's fun.
0: All right, so that is everything for this week. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at BGA Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on Facebook. Make sure to find us on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. And then BoardGamersAnonymous.com, where you will find this episode, the show notes, and everything else. We write, publish, record all in one place, along with Kicking the
1: Habit. This is Anthony. This is Chris. And until next time, we anticipate that you'll want to purchase all of these games and <laughs> need a table at which to sit and play them. <laughs> and you're going to have to buy a house to fit all these games because there's so many great games out there coming.
0: Oh, man. And that's not even like a long way away. Like, if you get into games, it's not long
1: before you need a whole room for them. I'm not sure, but I think we might have to have a legal disclaimer at the end of this episode just to say that we're not responsible for the acquisition disorders by this (laughs) podcast. Yeah, right. (laughs) Just so nobody calls us like what
0: did you do to my
1: spouse? People are starting just going into mental institutions just based upon all the board games and shit. It's like just so many games, I have to buy all these games. They keep telling me about these games, I gotta buy these games.